Welcome to our Countdown to IFPR and the New Pay Rules podcasts. I'm Kate Crompton, a Managing Associate in the Employee Incentives team here in London. And I'm Hanan an Associate in the team. Last year, we discussed the Investment Firm Directive in our CRD5 and IFD podcasts. The IFD introduces, among other things, new remuneration rules for investment firms in the EU. Because of Brexit, that directive does not apply in the UK. But that doesn't mean that UK investment firms escape new regulation. Instead, they will have to follow the UK's own similar, but not identical, set of rules from 1st January 2022. So there are now just three months to go. Firms really need to get a move on to be ready to comply with the new rules. And for many asset managers, this will be the first time they have to subject pay to this sort of regulation. In this podcast, we look at what those rules are and what UK investment firms need to be doing now. And we'll follow this with our two months to go and one month to go podcast, which will say more on getting ready for the new pay rules. There's definitely a lot to do. And the question is, are you ready? Let's start with a recap of the framework. The FCA are calling the UK rules the IFPR, which stands for the Investment Firm's Prudential Regime. And the remuneration rules are set out in what's called the MIFID Pru Code. That seems to be a mix of MIFID from the Markets and Financial Instruments Directive and Prudential, but that's just speculation. In any case, it's certainly a mouthful. So where is the new MIFID prepay code? It's set out in a new chapter, CISC 19G of the FCA handbook. So the rules sit alongside the other CISC 19 rules for banks, investment managers and so on. And because they apply for performance years from 1st of January 2022, firms need to plan their remuneration for the coming year with the new rules in mind. But the rules do not apply in the same way for all firms. MIFID proof divides them into two groups. Those in the first group are called small, non-interconnected firms, or SNI firms. These correspond to class three under IFD and are firms with basically less than 1.2 billion euro assets under management. It's a bit confusing that firms larger than this are called non-SNI firms. That is, they are not small and not non-interconnected. In other words, Kate, they are bigger and more significant firms. They correspond to Class 2 firms under the IFD. These non-SNI firms were previously subject to only light remuneration rules, but under the mifid Pru Code will be subject to detailed pay rules a bit like those which have applied to banks for a long time. Depending on their balance sheet assets, they may not be able to use proportionality to disapply the burden of many of these rules. We'll come back in a minute to the non-SNI firms. Let's look first at the smaller SNI firms. They will also have to follow some basic remuneration rules, but these are only likely to have a limited impact on how and how much people are actually paid. The rules mainly look at the governance of remuneration and prescribe some very broad principles, but no detail. For example, SNI firms must have a written remuneration policy and a process for awarding variable pay. They will also have to make some general disclosures about pay. Non-SNI firms, that is the larger ones, will have much more onerous rules and the rest of this podcast focuses on them. That's right, Kate. These non-SNI firms won't be subject to the hard bonus cap which applies to banks and limits variable pay to 200% of fixed pay. But they will have to set an appropriate ratio of fixed to variable pay in their remuneration policy for their material risk takers, or MRTs. There is no guidance on what is appropriate, so this will be a matter of judgment for the firm. 
and this may also apply to some staff of non-SNI firms within banking groups. Another new rule for non-SNI firms will be malice and clawback. This means that non-SNI firms must be able to reduce variable pay of MLTs or to recover amounts already paid in certain circumstances. This is a big change for many investment firms. They will need to set criteria and procedures for operating malice and clawback and it's really important that they also have the legal structure to do this and at the same time minimise the risks of disputes. Here's another rule. Many non-SNI firms will have to ensure that at least 50% of variable pay of material risk takers is paid in shares or other non-cash instruments. But that's not all. Payment of 40% to 60% of variable pay must be deferred over three to five years and even longer for senior management. These requirements are known as the payout process rules and they'll make a big difference to the pay those MLTs receive. So their employment arrangements will need to be changed to reflect this. But do the payout process rules apply to all non-SNI firms and all of their MRTs, Kate? Not necessarily, Hanan. The payout process rules will apply to firms with on- and off-balance sheet assets of at least £300 million. And in some cases, they can impact firms with assets of between £100 million and £300 million. Many of these firms have previously been able to ignore these sort of rules on the basis of proportionality, but this will be harder under MIFIPRI. The bottom line is that the payout process rules will apply to many firms for the first time. There is another way out. MRTs with variable pay of less than £167,000, which is less than one third of their total pay, can be exempted from the payout process rules. The next requirement is about governance. The governance requirements you mentioned earlier, Kate, in relation to smaller SNI firms will also apply to non-SNI firms. But those with on and off balance sheet assets of over £300 million or over £100 million, which meet other thresholds, will need to establish a remuneration committee. And the committee will have to comply with the composition requirements in MIFID-PRO. This includes being gender balanced. Finally, non-SNI firms will have to disclose more information on pay than they currently do, both publicly and to the regulators. This will include information on so-called high earners in the organisation. That was a bit of a canter through the main new rules. So Kate, there's definitely a lot to do, but what are the key things that non-SNI firms need to be working on to get ready? Well, you need to plan how variable pay from 2022 is going to comply with the payout process rules. Some of it is going to be deferred and some of it will be paid in cash rather than shares. Even if you don't have every detail documented at the start of 2022, the general shape of it needs to be settled. That way, you can start communicating it to staff so they understand how their variable pay is going to change. But those changes will only affect MRTs, the material risk takers. So you need to identify who they are and which ones can be exempted from the rules. Having identified them, you need to communicate the changes to them and make the necessary changes to employment contracts and incentive arrangements in time. And it does not end there. You'll need to become familiar with best practice on pay governance procedures. This is because the regulator, the FCA, will want to see how you are following the rules. For example, you may need to appoint a remuneration committee, and in the longer term, you'll need to prepare for the new or enhanced disclosures. There may be some complications for firms which are part of a group, which includes banks, AFIMs and USITS mancos, or which are part of a non-UK group. These firms will need to analyse the interaction of these regimes with the MIFID Pro code and work out which rules apply to which staff. So lots to think about and do. In the next podcast, with two months to go, 
We'll delve a little deeper into the issues which some of these rules are throwing up. In the meantime, please do get in touch if you'd like to discuss the Mifid Pro payroll implications for your organisation. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Anne.